Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. And welcome back to Habs Unfiltered. I'm your host, Blaine Futbay, and I'm joined now by my co-host, Trey Wilson. Hello. Salut. Bonjour. And unfortunately, Matt could not join us as he is working so hard to defend our freedoms over in Scotland. At every tavern he's in, nightly. <laughs> Now, he is deployed. He's uh, he's deployed for the Air Force, and they're providing um, air support to Opry Assurance, I believe, in Latvia. So it is important work, as Matt tells us all the time. <laughs> Paperwork's always important. That's right. All right, so uh, there's all kinds of things we can get into. Uh, that are Habs related. We've, you know, unfortunately, Treg and I have not been able to tee up a show together for a little while uh, because Treg, you had a little bit of work done. Yeah, I had uh, gum graft done. So, you know, I didn't want to look fat on camera. That's my job. (laughs) No, I I couldn't talk very well and I had a sore mouth and I just didn't want to do anything. So... Just fair. You don't want to be goofing around on things that, uh, you know, would hurt the recovery. I guess. I mean, the recovery isn't long. It's only like 10 days, but still. But still. So uh, I did a couple of shows alone and now uh, you're back and we're going to improve the show because there's two of us. Yay. It'll be twice as good as the last one. Or twice as worse. (laughs) point of view all depends on that so uh what we're going to get into now uh we're going to talk a little bit about you know the recent news in the canadians the recent games uh drawings return stuff like that so why don't we just start off with jonathan drawings return to montreal for the first time with the colorado avalanche well first of all if you're mad because the fans booed him, the fans boo every returning ex-Montreal Canadian. I think maybe if it was Guy Lafleur, I think Guy Lafleur is the only guy I never heard them boo. Uh, it's true. But, but that's just something they do, and it's not really a thing because they don't like them. It's a thing because that's just what they do. It's sort. I look at it as a sign of respect because as soon as they did the tribute video for Drouin, he got a rousing ovation. Uh, and right then and there, that tells them the true feelings. And for, I don't know how they, this whole tradition started, but any ex-player that comes back to Montreal gets booed. Uh, it's just the way game. it is. At least for one game. I mean, if they get booed multiple games, it's because they really didn't like them. So, uh, or they left for free agency, or they left, or, you know, like they, they abandoned the, the fans, or that's how yeah. they felt. Yeah. So, I mean... 
So people getting mad about that, if you're getting mad about that still, then that that's on you. That's not really on on the fans. Just accept it for what it is and carry on. So the video uh montage that they put up for him, they went they went nuts. They loved him. They mm-hmm. absolutely loved him. Duran, like him or hate him, like him or don't like him. And a lot of people didn't like him because of his contract and he wasn't producing to what they expected him to do and blah, 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 and injuries and then the anxiety and all that kind of stuff. But he was great for the community. Uh, If you guys think P.K. Subban did a lot for the community, Jonathan Druin, I mean, he didn't pledge to have $10 million donated to a hospital, but he did everything he could for the hospital. He did everything he could for the community. He showed up to every community event that the Canadians put on. Uh, he did everything. So, and I mean, and really, he was a, what, 48-point performer on average per season with the Canadians? Uh, so really, what, sure, he wasn't, if you got to blame anything about Duran, you got to blame Mark, uh, Mark Bergevin. Uh, because he's the one that brought him in saying he was going to be the French superstar that was going to help the Canadians get to the promised land. Right. He, he didn't do he, him any favors during the press conference either calling him the next, uh, the next top center, the, the next great player. Like he, he and, and, no favors. He didn't. And he was hyped up and hyped up that he was going to be this great player. And guess what? He ended up being exactly what he was when he came to Montreal an average second line winger really uh that's averaged around 45 to 52 points when a season went healthy and i don't know like i know people were going on oh he's not scoring not scoring goals but he was getting assists he was getting points he was doing the things that he could do uh no he wasn't great defensively but uh there was no problems in the dressing room there was no I like Druin. You like Druin. There's no secret that here at Habs Unfiltered, we like Druin. I did. I thought he got a bad rap. I thought he was brought in too hyped. And, you know, if he was brought in similar to how they brought in Newhook, saying, hey, we want this guy to get more minutes. We want to see what this guy can do with more minutes and in the top six setting, yada, yada, yada. It might have been different. It might have been different. But it might have been. And that – and now he's in Colorado. He's playing with his buddy McKinnon. Uh, he's doing well. Yeah, and I'm happy for him. I'm glad he's doing well. Well, I mean, when everything was going wrong for him in Montreal, uh, they it was just it was just horrible. Like he, nothing went right for him, and he had to take that. He stepped back. He took time off for his mental health. Uh, missed the entire playoff run in 2021 when they went to the cup final, um, which is unfortunate. Maybe he would have been a difference in maybe winning another game or two in the final. And he had good he could play. have been he, closer to a cup. But he had good playoff numbers. Uh, I, I know that for uh, yeah for for what he did with uh, with Tampa Bay, he had really good playoff numbers, which is a reason why uh, Bergman went out and got him in the first place. Yes. He was always a playoff performer in Halifax during his time yeah. in the queue and the Memorial Cup. And now he's uh, he's moved on to rejoin, like you, meant, you said, his friend uh, Nate McKinnon, who he played with here in Halifax. And Jeroen's doing great. He's on pace for nearly 50 points. Uh, he's, he's able to fill a gap 
in their their lineup right now because they're they're suffering some injuries as well. Mm-hmm. And, and he's up there. He's in the top six. He's on the top line at most of the time. Power play, like he got an assist on the power play goal, uh, Ross Colton's power play goal against Montreal. Um, so he seems to be healthier. He seems to be happier. He's producing. He is playing well. And I think he's going to do well for Colorado. He might end up staying there for a few years. And he's relatively healthy. Exactly. And uh, I don't think he deserves anybody being tough on him anymore. Like the booing when he had the puck, like like you mentioned, it's it's more just fans, um, you know, letting them know how they feel because he's not on their team. And they only boo the best players anyway. Yeah. Really? Yeah, it's true. If you're upset that Jonathan Drouin got booed in Montreal, you're, you must have hated the game before when it was uh, McDavid anytime he sneezed <laughs> or dove. I, see, now that I didn't understand. I don't know why you're booing McDavid. McDavid it's not like McDavid said, I hate French people. <laughs> or, well, <laughs> I mean, the best maybe, player in the I team. Yeah. So. Although so I do anyway, want to add, nice to see, yeah, I do want to I do want to say something. This has nothing to do with Montreal, but Steve Dangle said on the podcast that Matthew is not even in the same tier as McKinnon, and he goes, "You notice it when they're both on the ice together." And I just had to bring that up. So the biggest he's uh, not one wrong. The, he's not, but one now, if you look at Leafs Twitter, they all hate Steve Dangle. <laughs> God forbid he's not a ball licking homer. Well, you kind of, I'm just saying. Anyway, nothing to do with what we're talking about, but for some reason, I just it just popped in my head and I had to get it out because I think it's humorous. How dare he! How dare he not say the greatest player that ever stepped on the ice, Austin Matthews, is not in the same tier as as uh, Nathan McKinnon. This guy is better than McDavid. Totally. Greatest player to have ever lived. From Arizona. Sure. (laughs) He's just walking away. Walking away with the Maurice Richard trophy. No one's close to him except for that, you know, Sam Reinhardt's like right there. One goal behind. Five other people are right there with him. Yeah. Like there's, he was, uh, he was, oh, maybe he'll score 90 this year. No. It goals the goal scorers drop off they heat up they cool down it, it's what happens it's do those goal scorers play defense Nate McKinnon does I I mean I will say this Matthews isn't terrible on defense so no he's not I can't really go he's not he's not he's not a bad defender but he's not as good I mean as no he's terrible but to bring this back Maurice Rocket Richard Trophy's coming home Cole Caulfield's on a heater. Two games in a row, he scored a goal, and what a beauty he scored on uh, Gregorov. Just beautiful. Oh, yeah. That spin and then just far post, top shelf. Oh, chef's kiss. So I figure he'll have 79 goals by the end of the season because he's on that big heater and win the Rocker shirt. You heard it here first, folks. There you go. Uh, Actually, he is. is I'll keep it modest 69 goals. It would be a nice total. Mm-hmm. 
everyone will be satisfied. Exactly. It, it's it's good for him, good for us, That's all right. at the same time. Um. <laughs> So he's he's now back on pace for over almost thirty goals. So that's good, uh, especially considering all the uh, the pressure that was put on him to perform this season. And he's he's only shooting at around seven to eight percent when his regular career percentage is around fifteen. So yeah, he's had a, har- a harder time finishing. Maybe it's the shoulder. Maybe it's I don't know. Maybe it's Maybelline. I don't know, but he's. Uh, Eight point three percent. That's his shooting percentage. Okay. Yeah, I, I just looked it up, so you weren't far. So, in the last two games, like you mentioned, he scored a goal against Colorado and Edmonton, and he's looked excellent against two very, very good teams, and so did the rest of the Canadians. Like the last two games, after that game against San Jose, the sky was falling. Everybody had to be fired, and then. Edmonton and Colorado come out and the Canadians play as if they're, you know, back in their old win the Atlantic division days. Well, see, this is kind of what bothers me with Montreal's play as of late is that they tend to play to the team and they've done this for years, even before Marty St. Louis, they tend to play to the team that they're playing against. And I don't know why. And it's been over years. I'm talking I mean, this is why they haven't beat San Jose. I think they beat them once, and that was this year in San Jose in the past 15 years or something stupid. Yeah. Um, it's because they always play up or down to the team they're against, and I never understood that. Um, they're doing it again this year. I find the tougher teams, I think it's only once or twice they played a really good team and got blown out. Uh, but then you lose like 6-1 to Buffalo, 3-2 to San Jose, a team you should at least of one three at least at least one three two uh you know they're just and i don't know what that is i don't know why i think uh i know marty probably had a talk with him that hey you know we just lost to a team that barely scores two goals a game and we didn't just lose we were we didn't even look good in the game (laughs) <laughs> no, it's a team that got blown out of every game they played in the 12 games prior yeah and we just looked like we didn't even show up to the game it was like your son's yeah. game your son's team was playing the san jose sharks probably would have yeah, got the same my result, son's team probably but... would have scored three goals <laughs> well and it kind of highlights the whole issue with the team right now and that's consistency from game to game, you don't know what team's showing up. It's Jekyll and Hyde. One game, they're world beaters. The next game, they can't beat a peewee team. Like it, it's, you don't know who's going to show up, or like which team is there. Like it. So the top line is consistent. They're constantly playing to their level. Um, sometimes they get points. Sometimes they don't get as many, but you can count on what they're providing. Uh, Gallagher. You know he's going to give you 100%, even if that 100% is not enough. Uh, Jake Allen, he'll try his best, but sometimes that's not enough. And the rest of the team is going to have to start following with that level, uh, that consistent effort level. Once they do that, as a group, this team is going to be a playoff team. 
And that just goes too to say of how young the team is. So it's now, I think, the fourth youngest team in the league. It was the third. Uh, but now it's the fourth youngest team in the league. Uh, you got a lot of first and second year players on the team. Uh, Harvey Pernard, Dooley, Struble, uh, the entire D Corps, except for Matheson and Zabard. Um, uh, Primo's playing in his, I'm going to say, his basically first full season, really, even though it's not. But um, so I, that goes with young players. Sometimes they're on, sometimes they're off. Like they, they, the consistency will come. Um, what bothers me is the consistency from the veterans that you're not seeing. Like, for instance, Armia against Colorado was excellent. Actually, Armia's been playing good hockey for the past few games. So let, I'm not going to shit on Armia, but Armia's one of those guys. Sometimes he's a great – sometimes he's Wayne Gretzky. Sometimes he's Wayne Gretzky's brother's teeth. So, uh, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, it, it's it's like I watch him and I think, man, I can see why he was drafted in the first round. And then I watch him another game. I'm thinking, how did this guy ever get drafted in the first round? Um, and same can be said about Matheson. Like, I know Matheson's getting the points and stuff like that. But Matheson, Matheson is basically Petrie 2.0. You never know what you're going to get. Yeah. You never know what you're going to get in either end of the ice. He's even starting to shoot pucks into shin pads like Jeff Petrie did. He's, you know, like when at the first of the season and last season, he was timing his shot right and getting shot to the net. Now he's just, oh, I got the puck. Stokowski's open, but I don't pass to him. Uh, Caulfield's covered by by two guys. I'll try that one. Oh, wait. Caulfield's covered. Stokowski's open. I'm just going to blast it. And it, it, it and I don't I don't know. I swear so to God, that, he's allergic to passing to Slavkowski. Although he did do it once in the Colorado Colorado games, so we did pass it to him once. The sad part is we notice it's so few that you notice that one time. <laughs> like what what's up with that? Like I don't understand that. I will say this: Slavkowski has to get the timing of his shot down, which he doesn't have yes. yet. But still, the guys wide open, pass it to him. If anything, you're going to keep control of the puck in the zone. Well, I remember a pass that Matheson gave him on a power play against Philadelphia. Slavkowski got a great shot off, and it took an amazing save to keep it from going in. But he he fired that shot the second it touched his blade. So that's exactly what we're looking for from Slavkowski. And it's amazing how great of a scoring chance that was by a simple pass from Matheson. Try it more. But I did like the power play against Colorado. They moved around more. They yeah. used more weapons than just Caulfield and Matheson. Uh, so they made it look like Suzuki, Caulfield, Matheson, or Slavkowski was a scoring threat. And that made the defense of Colorado move around more on the power play, which opened up some holes, for instance, Cole Caulfield to score a goal and Slavkowski to score a goal. So that's how you work your power play. Good job, Martin St. Louis, who is the man who runs the power play um, on that. Oh, I also noticed Colorado doing the back pass on their power play and why that's a, why that's a trend in the league. I have no idea. I'm just throwing out there just so everyone knows this is not just a Montreal thing. That's true. There's, I think, 90% of the league does it. Yeah. Now, with power plays, what would you say is a very good power play? 
21%? If you can get a 20%, okay, we've talked about this before. If you can get a 20% and 80% on your two, if you can get 100% from your two uh, specialty teams, then you have a pretty good specialty team. Um, we're not going to get that with the penalty kill this year. So we're if not going to get that. Isolating it, the power play. I would say anywhere between 20 and 23% is a good power play. What if I told you the Canadians over the last 15 to 20 games have a 25% power play? Then I would say they're above good, whatever that is. So would you, would you think that that is that the power play is fixed or whatever they did to adjust is working now? I would say whatever they do adjust is working, but then again, near the first of the season, Montreal's power play was in the top fifteen and the top ten at one point as well. So, yeah, it, it it's working. The problem is, can they adjust when the other team figures out what they're doing, what's working, how they can counter what they're doing that's working? And I think that's what happened at the first of the season. At the first of the season, I don't think anyone knew what they were doing. So <laughs> everyone was like, I don't know who to cover here. And then when people started figuring out, oh, okay, it's just Matheson to Caulfield, Suzuki to Caulfield, everyone to Caulfield, the power play went to shit. And then now they're moving to self Caulfield's getting more involved. Suzuki's more involved. Caulfield's more. And we talked about it before. You need – if you want Caulfield to score, you need someone else to make the team think that other person's going to score too. That way they exactly. the person's going to move that move off. That's why Ovechkin was always allowed to stand at that dot. They knew Ovechkin was a weapon, but so was Backstrom, so was Tom Wilson, you know, so was Carlson. So they really had to and really Ovechkin just stood there and went, "Oh, well, if I don't get the puck, I don't get it. If I do, it's going to be a goal." Yeah, he Whether would just Cotton. stand still while yeah. everybody's chasing the puck and trying to cut off the pass. Yeah. And, and uh, it would work one time in four, but it would work that, one time in four. It one time in four. And why someone just didn't stand someone still right on Ovechkin, I have no idea. But anyway, the point I'm making is I think what they're doing is working. And now yeah. let's see if they can adjust when other teams figure out what they're doing is working and adjust to it. Yes. Yeah, that would be uh, – that's the next step. And I I would say that, again, with power play, special teams, really, consistency, again, is the issue. They're, the the approach that the players take when they're playing more aggressively, especially in the penalty kill, they play excellent hockey. Then they get a little bit passive, and then they give up a ton of goals. So it's that, again, that effort level like that I was talking about with... Uh, you know, follow Gallagher's lead. They're getting there, but once they, they're not there yet. I like to see Sokoski on the penalty kill. I think Sokoski is playing great defensive hockey. Rye, uh, RHP, I think is a good defensive player. I think he's good on the on the penalty kill. He can hit the balls and still uh, get the puck out of the zone right into the crowd, um, like like he did in Colorado. Mm-hmm. But. Let's look at it this way. They killed off that two-man power play, but the power or but the penalty kill didn't really look that good, to be honest with you. No. It didn't. It did a lot of chasing. I think it was more Colorado's power play just didn't play that well against Montreal. Maybe. You could argue I, I that they know. were just taking away their passing lanes. They were, you, you but could. there was a lot but of chasing. But that was the turning point. Kills. Oh, and yeah. it was. But that was the turning was. point. 
Like and, people will look at the score sheet and say, oh, wow, they killed all these penalties, right? And I'm like, well, yeah. yeah, they did, but they didn't look really that great doing it. They got lucky no, bounces. No, they, were, they, they, yeah, they chased right? it. So they chased it, yeah. It better work. It was uphill both ways for them. Um, which brings me to Slavkovsky. You mentioned Slavkovsky on the penalty kill. But from my under, from what I've been told uh, in mainstream media, he deserves to be demoted and maybe even sent to Laval. Oh yes, yes, because he gets takes too many hits. And wait a minute, were they watching highlights from twenty twenty two or I think so this season? Because I'm going to call them out: Jamal Mares and Gaddick or whatever you say his name. Terrible, terrible, terrible fucking research on that Canadians game because everything they said about Sapkowski were the issues that he had last season. Every single one of them. And to sit there and say probably the hottest guy on the Canadians right now in terms of play uh, and scoring, he has eight points in his last 12 games. And yep. a big reason why that top line has been so consistent and a big reason why uh, Suzuki's getting more points and Caulfield scoring more uh, because this guy's winning the board battles and this guy's opening ice, which is what a big power forward is supposed to do. Uh, no. Yeah, that was just terrible. I listen. Sportsnet's going so far down the drain; it's not even funny. Like nobody even wants to watch it anymore. So, but their coverage of the Maple Leafs is second to none. Sure. They even they went forget over, that they there's even, six other fucking teams in the country. And the second intermission, they even had a Maple Leafs little segment where they talked about the Maple Leafs. They weren't even playing. Yep. Anyway, whatever. I mean, Rogers owns part of the Leafs, so... No surprise there. Yeah, so Sportsnet, yeah. yeah but uh, again, like, just do your research, guys. Like, just... You know. Maybe, I don't know, maybe read some stuff from the hockey writers. Listen to our podcast. Exactly. Hire us. We can be Sportsnet's Montreal Canadiens coverage. There you go. I can do that. I, I work cheap. And I'll sit there and say, Stavkoski is the greatest hockey player that ever touched the ice. <laughs> that's what yeah. they do with the Leafs. Can, yeah. oh, yeah, can you believe how good Matthews Nyes is? He has the same amount of points of Koski. He's playing with Marner and Matthews. He should have a hell of a lot more points than Slavkowski. I'm just saying. I'm still waiting for Robertson to uh, to become better than Caulfield. He's a healthy scratch tonight. <laughs> Go figure. I'm just saying. Ask the ask the king. The king doesn't pay us very much. We work cheap. Yeah. Especially whatever, whatever, whatever Jamal and Luke are making, I'll take half. Yep. I'm in. So, <laughs> so that pretty much does it for this episode. Uh, we're going to have some more episodes here for the week. Uh, we're going to try and uh, now that we're all back up to snuff and available, we'll try and put out some more shows here. Do, do you have any final thoughts? I do have a final thought. Prohibition on this day in 1919, prohibition begins in the United States, prohibiting the production, sale, and transportation of alcohol in the country. 
it's over now. They don't do prohibition anymore. But in 1919, on this day in history, it started. Also, I did a trivia question, or not really a trivia. It's a name that Canada had on the uh, on Twitter, and I'm going to give out the answer if you don't mind, Blaine, because a How lot of people it? got it. It wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be, but anyway. So the question was. This player was drafted 82nd overall in 1981. He scored 71 points as a rookie in 1986, and he only played three seasons with the Habs. Actually, only played three seasons in the NHL, period, because injuries derailed his career. Blaine, do you know who he is? No. It's Jal Dolan. So Jal Dolan scored 71 points and 32 goals. I think it was 32. I could be wrong. Matching the rookie record set by Matt Snazlin. So, folks, that is the answer to the question. Lots of people got it correct. Good on them. I'm sure they looked it up, but it doesn't really matter. What'd they win? So, good. Uh, just the fact that they got the answer right. I, I don't have, I can't afford prizes. The king doesn't pay enough. You know, I can't afford prizes there. So, uh, yeah, the king doesn't pay enough. Um, and, and t shirts from Baby Gap cost a lot of money. This is actually from Under Armour. And it used to not it used to not be so tight. So there you go. But when you're the hardest worker in the room, they get tight. I'm the only person in the room, by the way. So I can say that. It's usually the way it works. All right. Uh so for me, I would just like to again thank everybody for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Uh continue sending us emails, sending us messages on social media, interacting with us. Uh, check out Habs Unfiltered on social media, Habs Unfiltered at Outlook.com if you want to send an email. Uh, YouTube, we're we're on all of it. Uh, TikTok, believe it or not, we're actually there. <clears throat> we actually have an OnlyFans page for Habs Unfiltered featuring Matt. We actually do. That's funny. So if you want to see a picture of Matt, uh, fully clothed, just check out Habs Unfiltered on OnlyFans. Um, and that's pretty much it. So I want to thank you all for listening and remember if you're talking about it, so are we do did will the story of people podcast is now available on the crier media network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose sharks undercurrent podcast at NBC sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holawati from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. 
follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.